Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. On a typically muggy day in the Philippines in July 2007, Pastor Eugene Balbon was putting the finishing touches on an orphanage in Pagadian City he was hoping would soon be ready to open its doors. Looking up from his work, he was stunned to see his collaborator on the project, Pat Pryor, breeze in wearing the ear-to-ear smile that was her calling card. The Australian missionary and philanthropist had been due to visit the following month, so this was a delightful surprise for the pastor who sprang up to greet her. Sparkling like the open skies of her homeland, her blue eyes shone with vitality and enthusiasm. Pat had always been a human pick-me-up with the knack of bolstering hopes and spreading cheer to anyone she turned her caring gaze on. That grin of hers was contagious. Welcome to Spirit Sisters, the podcast. It's wonderful to have you with us today for another mind and heart expanding conversation. Today, our guest joining us from Queensland is Naomi Pryor. Naomi is an intuitive coach, singer-songwriter, mum to a two-year-old and founder of the website The Earth Vessel, where she shares the beauty of spirit with people all around the world through coaching, meditation and readings. What I read at the opening of this podcast is the first paragraph of a story called The Promise, which features in my 2014 book, Love Never Dies. It's a story about Naomi's mum, Pat Pryor, and the miracle that unfolded in July 2007 as Pat, who had cervical cancer, approached the end of her life, surrounded by her loving family. Now, get ready to question everything you thought was real as Pat's daughter, Naomi, tells us how, in the days before her mum crossed over, she accomplished the impossible. Naomi, welcome to the Spirit Sisters (laughs) podcast. Thank you for having me. An honour. Honour to be here with you. (laughs) Oh, it's so lovely to have you. Just before I pressed record, I was telling you about how much I love your story and how it's a favourite of mine across the three books. So I'm honoured to have you here today to share it again for our listeners and um, I'm sure they're going to fall in love with this story of your beautiful mum and her incredible powers (laughs) of love. Um, Quite a journey. It's quite a journey. So I guess let's start by um, you sharing again with our listeners what happened with your gorgeous mum um, all those years ago, when was it, please? Naomi? So it was 2007 from memory. Um, and it was, I just remember July 9th was the day that uh, my mum passed away. Or I, I say crossed over now. Yeah. 
um, the day she crossed over. But uh, so she had actually had cancer years before mm-hmm. and she beat that naturally through um, just different alternative treatments. And she knew she had cancer, but no one would diagnose her right. uh, with it. They said, oh, it's probably just a cyst. And, and then eventually she kept saying, no, I know I have cancer. You need mm. to look at this. And eventually they did and said, you're right. Unfortunately, you don't have long to live. So, and from that day, she passed away or crossed over three months after that. And I think that for her at that point of life, she said, she was only 60, Mm -hmm. but she was like, all right, if this is my time, then it's my time. And she didn't really fight it. I I think she had a peace in her with whatever God was meant to do with her life. She just put it in his hands. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, yeah, she had a piece. And I think that, you know, you have that that moment where they accept it and then there's that phase where they fight it a bit, the body fights, and then she went back into that state of, I'm at peace with this. Mm. And it was at that point things began to really change and things started happening. Mm. Uh, obviously her body had become quite weak and she was in bed the last few weeks of her life and uh, she was just, she would... I could explain it is that she would be asleep and it was like she was stepping in and out of a consciousness. And one minute she would be asleep and then the next minute she'd bounce up. And physically, that just wasn't even something you'd expect her to do with wow. her weakness. Yeah. But she'd sit up and she was saying things like, God, oh, two pesos. And we always used to laugh that, you know, she is she like bartering down at the markets overseas that she used to love going to. Um and then she described places. I remember one day she she sat up and I was sitting by her side and she squeezed my hand and she said, oh, Naomi, purple pianos in yellow cornfields. And then she was gone again. And I was like, I don't know where she is or what she's seeing, but it sounds fabulous. Yeah. But it felt like it was more than a dream. So I don't know where she was, but it was it was great. Yes. But uh, one day um, I had a phone call and it was just a a hectic time. There was a lot going on. Um, But I answered the call and it was her friend and someone that she worked with in the Philippines, Pastor Eugene Balbon. And he he was quite frantic and, I I mean, he he spoke English, but it was still a bit, you know, Filipino English. Yes. And he was like, where, where are your parents staying? You didn't tell me your mum was coming to see us. She, we didn't expect her. Tell me what hotel she's in. And I was really confused because I knew that they were both meant to, had originally planned to go there the month following. Okay. But, you know, obviously she wasn't going to be going. And I know my dad had still hoped to uh, make it. So I said to him, look, there's a lot going on. Let me call you back. I, I don't really understand everything. Let me, I'll just call you back later. Yeah. And I, I didn't call him back. I just had too much going on. Well, of course, mum uh, was mum was in her final days then. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just, that was just my main concern, course, really. And yeah. family, and even in our family, my dad had a, a big church, and we was there was just a lot going on, and yeah. people coming in and out to see her, and um, yes. So I just kind of let that go, and then um, so when she eventually uh, about a week later, she crossed over. And eventually I got to my emails and there was an email from Eugene saying, I didn't know your mum and dad were coming here. Please tell me what hotel they're staying at. Um, but she just arrived unexpectedly. Wow. And I was like, hang on a minute. 
to what? (laughs) No, she's at home with us. And so, cut a long story short, we contacted him and he had had this experience. Uh, So he was working on an orphanage and ministry house with my mum, building for uh, orphans and so forth. And he'd taken a moment to just sit down and take a rest from his hard work and in my mum walks. And so you have to understand, this is at the same time she's at home in bed getting ready to pass away. Extraordinary. Um, And so we're we're not aware of this. But he's sitting there, she walks in like, I'm looking at you, like flesh and blood, walks through the door. And he's, because he knows she's sick, so Mm. he's thinking, wow, you look great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing here? You you haven't told me. And, you know, you're really good at preparing things. And so she said, I'm here to have a look around. And so he walked around the place and they had just a short dialogue about things that they were doing with it, you know, the plans and what he'd achieved. And she was, in his mind, she was really proud of the work. And then after a moment, she just got up and walked out the door. Mm. And for her, that's just strange for another as well. <laughs> so he ran out and he was like, Pat, Pat, what are you doing? Where are you going? And she just kept walking but she turned over her shoulder and she said to him, I must go ahead. In one week, it'll all be finished. It'll all be finished. Sorry, we just distorted then. Say that yeah. bit again, please, Naomi. Yeah, she walked. She kept walking and over her shoulder she said to him t- twice, she repeated it, I must go ahead. In one week, it'll all be finished. Mm. And little did we know, or little did he know, it was exactly one week from that experience he had with her that she crossed over oh wow so and so I, I still get goosebumps <sighs> saying the story I haven't really told anyone for a while but I get goosebumps because it's just you start to realize she knew she knew that when she was exiting yes <laughs> and she just had a few things that she wanted to do on the way out yes so yes. yeah so that's oh. the story and from that I mean that like you said one of your favorite stories we found out that that story has been shared um, in churches and places all over the world. Really? People, I don't even know how they got the story. Maybe they read your book. <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe they did. But it's, um, I, think, I think people like the story because it, it does remind us that there is something more, mm. you know, that there is obviously something after that as well. So, yeah. And, and, it's... and our spirits are just so empowered. We're just not limited to our physical body yes and I think your your story uh, demonstrates that really powerfully because pastor Eugene didn't see a wafty misty apparition he saw a flesh and blood person yes and this is something that you know you just almost want to shout it from the rooftops because yeah it's like everybody look into this and try and establish yeah. how this could be possible do you exactly. do you have any thoughts as to how this was possible? Ah, uh, well, um, I mean, in the new age, we'd probably call it astral projection, astral travel. I, I even know uh, my mother was a Christian. In the Bible, there was the apostle Philip, and it's in the Bible it says he was baptizing an Ethiopian man, and then he was suddenly taken and transported thirty kilometers away to another place. Mm. It's this, you know, the stories of this stuff happening from different, you know, different religions and aspects. We've all talked about it. Um, to me, I just believe that at the core essence of who we are is a spirit. 
And that spirit is not limited to our flesh. It's not limited to our basic understanding. Um, and to, to bring up the Bible again, you know, in Genesis, God says, I created you out of my likeness. It doesn't mean that we look like God, mm, but that mm. at the very substance of who we are is the same creative and miraculous yeah. presence of and, and substance of God. And so we we can just we have that ability to do these things. In my mother's case, I believe she her body was so weak yeah. that you know, and so yeah, just so weak, but her spirit had become so strong. Yeah. And she was quite a strong spiritual person anyway. And so I just believe she just thought, oh, I'm done with this. <laughs> but yeah. it has no use, so I'm just going to go and do my stuff without it. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I think you know, science will talk to us about, you know, who we are, we're, you know, the atoms, and that we're basically just this vibrational being anyway. Mm -hmm. So what's to say that we can't just vibrationally appear in one place and then another? And if you look more into science and you look into atoms and things, you, you, they're showing you how it can split into one place and another. Yes. So why can't we do that if we are made of that? Exactly. So, you know, it's just we have to start thinking outside of our physical binds mm -hmm. because we're so much more than that. We are. Yeah. And um, as you say, quantum physics does indicate that what we see as reality is, um, is actually a grand illusion. Um, yeah. So, so that's right. So it's a lot more malleable than we've ever imagined. Yes, um, exactly. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about the kind of person your mum, Pat, was because yeah. there is a sense that well, I gathered the first time I heard this story from you that there was something in that deep spirituality of hers that she nurtured throughout her life, um, through her work, her ministry, all of that, that kind of led to her being, you know, to it almost being a case of if anybody's going to be able to do this, Pat will, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> because she did live in a space of, of love and possibility more yeah. so than perhaps you know, the rest of us. Tell us a little bit yeah. more about Pat. Oh, uh, you're right. If anyone was going to do it, she was going to definitely test it out. She wasn't going to go. She wasn't going to make her exit just some quiet <laughs> thing. She was going to go with a big flair, a big show, and give us all something to talk about for years. Um, even the fact that um, how it, her story came into your book, we'll talk about that later, but yes. she was she was willing to let everyone know, <laughs> this is my story. So um, she was at her funeral. People described her. They used a word that kept coming up, and they described her as tenacious. Mm. And I love that description. It's such. I would love to have that as my description. I don't think I'm as as tenacious as her. <laughs> she was like that. Once she got a heart set on something or a mind on something, she wouldn't let it go. She'd fight to the end for it. Um, she was a deeply spiritual woman. She was a minister, so she had Christian beliefs. But she was to the, I would say she was to the full extreme of spirituality as yeah. you can get within that. And But she just meditated and prayed constantly. And, you know, she was so open to spiritual possibilities. She mm. had experiences we'd seen. She did, um, she have seen her do miracles. And well, she mm. would say that God did miracles through her. But I've seen amazing miracles. What, what seen, have you seen? Well, we, as a family, she spent most of her time in the Philippines doing her ministry. She loved the nation. She loved the people. Oh. She loved that in the earlier days, 
the Philippines was such a beautiful, heart, soft-hearted people and just so innocent in their ways, is how she would have described back in the early days. And because of that, she said their faith was so strong. Mm-hmm. So she would say, you know, God is here to heal you. And because they had just no doubt, they would go, okay, and just believe 100%, wow. they would receive a miracle, yeah. which I think is interesting because we're so skeptical in modern society that sometimes because of that we stop our miracle when mm. sometimes people all we need is to put faith in something um yes. but i've seen um blind eyes open i've oh, seen wow. deaf people here i've seen people get out of um wheelchairs and walk and run uh, and just beautiful the stories behind those miracles is something again i, I remember one time seeing a couple an older couple and uh, i think she was the wife of deaf and the husband he had some sight issues and they both had a miracle at the same time and he just looked at his wife and started crying and she could hear him say uh, her name for the first time. And so just just those stories, like, you know, I know there's a lot of evangelicals and things out there doing crazy stuff, but (laughs) when you experience it, you just, it's it's something else again. You, You can't doubt, you know other possibilities when you've had these experiences so that was her life so she just and that was the type of woman she was she just didn't have any doubt in God or in Mm. spirit and even in her own struggle with her sickness she was like oh well if this is what God wants for me then this is what God wants for me and Mm. that's why she had that peace as well so yeah that's how that's how I describe her just that tenacious um, but spiritually, just a very nurturing. Yeah. But she would empower you. She she push you to be the best you could be. <laughs> oh wow! What a what an incredible mother to have. Yeah. 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 She was. She is. She is. She is. And we'll <laughs> yeah. talk. That I know that there are stories that happened after yeah. Pat's passing. <laughs> yeah. um, so we'll we'll cover that too. But um, I just want to touch a little bit more on her work in the Philippines because mm-hmm. it was so extraordinary. Um, so she was building an orphanage for these children um, that dwelled in. Now, stop me if I'm wrong, Naomi. Was it Smoky Mountain, which was a, a, like a so rubbish? She- Yeah, so Smoky Mountain, she didn't build an orphanage in Smoky Mountain. That was a place that she would visit. So Smoky Mountain is like a giant rubbish dump kind of place. And there were just children, just like even babies, that just didn't have parents. Wow. And um, they would, you know, she'd take us up there. She took myself and my sister Esther and teams up there. to, You know, this is a reality. Mm. She wanted people to know. And, um, And she'd say, you know, sometimes you can't offer them a lot but just a smile. will change their life and you know the most amazing thing is seeing those children and they were eating out of finding their food out of rubbish this rubbish dump and it was just the smell was horrible the environment was bad there were no parents there was no one to love on it to these kids but they had the biggest smiles you know they were just so happy and that's I'm glad my mum showed myself and others that because it it really puts things into perspective. And I think that's a lot of her work was about teaching people that. Um, but she had helped to um, build and open orphanages in the several places. But the one that we were talking about was mm-hmm. with uh, Pastor Eugene Balbon and I think that was Pagadian City. Ah, uh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. And that was also just a, a place also for ministries, for ministries who came through and, and to stay and, you know, work out of as well. Okay. 
Yeah. So, was it just you and your sister, two siblings? I've got no. I've got so I've got my uh, under baby, and then there's <laughs> Esther, and then I have a brother Corey, and then my eldest sister Felicity. Okay. As well. Yep. Okay. I say because of mum and my dad, because he's extremely spiritual too. We're we're all very spiritual people. <laughs> wow. I don't think we had any other choice. <laughs> yeah. But I, I can see that that would be quite a lovely way to grow up because you've yeah. you've really from from a very young age have learned about empathy and compassion and yeah. you know see, having these experiences that most Australian kids wouldn't have a chance to yeah. experience such as the children of Smoky Mountain. I would imagine yeah. that that has um, formed you know or has sort of molded your life and the direction your life has taken is that right Naomi how has that changed definitely. you definitely it's definitely changed me I don't you know I like nice things I like a nice life but I don't put a great deal of value in certain things because I've also learned that you know if one day you can have everything and the next day it can all be gone mm-hmm. um and so it, it teaches you yeah to have that compassion and empathy for others to Think of other people's stories, not just your own. And um, I think, you know, that it's helped with being, I guess, an empath, trying to understanding where those emotions come from and understanding how I can work with them to help people, if that, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, it's, yeah, I think any, any person, not even just being raised in my family, but any person I knew who experienced, worked with my parents and experienced what they did, and um, by being exposed to places like Smoky Mountain or seeing miracles, you are a changed person. Even having an experience like Eugene or seeing mm. a spirit, people like in your book, so many people have had these experiences with, um, you know, people who've crossed over or seeing ghosts and whatnot. Yeah. Once you have that experience, you're a changed person. Yes. Um, and I've, I've had people who say, I don't even believe in this stuff, but I can't explain it. And it, it changes you. Yes. It's, no. it's like it opens. Have you had, I'm, you're bound to have had experiences if you're writing books the way you do. Well, you know, what's interesting, um, I'm not one of those people that has many really? of these experiences. I'm not. And I think that's part of what drives my curiosity oh. and, you know, has led me from childhood, which is when my fascination with all of this yeah. first bloomed. I was very little when I was first, you know, intrigued by all of this. And um, I think that's what's really driven my search throughout the years right. and my curiosity and, you know, has been the foundation of so much of my work is because mm-hmm. I I have um, sort of an innate understanding of the, the possibilities that these stories, um, that they hint at, you know, at this marvellous yeah. reality that we can't even imagine. But I haven't really experienced too much myself. Like there are small things um, but nothing as spectacular yeah. really. You know, my, the first line of Spirit Sisters, my first book which this podcast commemorates, does say that when I was eight years old I saw a man who I called the Colonel, uh-huh. the figure of a man who I called the Colonel because to my eyes he had um, some medals gleaming on his you know, breast pocket 
And so yeah. I called him the, the colonel. And as I, <laughs> as I went on to say in Spirit Sisters, I don't know to this day what that was, who that was, whether I was really awake and what is being awake anyway. Like, yeah. So, yeah. so, but it, seeing the colonel, having that experience of the colonel has really, as you say, like it has yeah. changed me. And when you do have something like this happen, you can't go back, as you say, you can't unsee. Yeah. So, exactly yeah. yeah it's it can it can be just the smallest thing and it can just and like just that experience yeah. has triggered a path in your life to seek more to yes. find out more yes and that's it and I sometimes I think sometimes we compare like like you said uh, it might not have been as grand or as your experience sometimes we compare but they're like every any any moment with spirit any moment where how big or little it is that we tap into that beyond the veil in a mm. sense it's it's life-changing and it absolutely. is special absolutely yeah um so so when so given all of that mm -hmm. and given this extraordinary thing that you found out not just days after your mum passed you read your email yeah. and then you spoke to pastor eugene yeah how did that assist you in the process of grieving your mum did it provide solace? Uh, how did you? How did it help you come to terms with the loss of this astonishing woman who was your mum? Yeah, um, yeah, it definitely helped. I think because we were not only it took away. I mean, there was grief. I think grief kind of hits you a little bit later as well. Yeah. But it it left us in this moment of excitement. It made it exciting. It made it like, oh wow, yeah. you know, did you know this happened to my mother? <laughs> Um, yeah. And so, and it gave us um, more of a story to tell. And I, I really think that that's what she would have wanted. Don't talk about me crossing over or yeah. dying. Yeah. Tell them this, you oh, know. And so, wow. uh, and the something that's interesting in the end, I feel part of me feels that she did it because she kept a promise to Eugene that she was going to come and see the play, wow. the orphanage. But uh, it wasn't too long after that Eugene ended up crossing over oh. so he got sick and crossed over and I feel that because she loved him like oh. a son in a sense so like a Filipino son I think that part of the reason she would have come to him is to give him comfort in the time where he was preparing to cross over himself that he would have known there was something more you know even though I know he had that undying faith yes. uh, it would have just given him that comfort Yes. And I think, you know, sometimes when we when we step out of the flesh and we step into the spirit, I say it's like the place of all knowingness. And she would have known when he was going to cross. Mm. Clearly she knew when she was going to cross over. So perhaps she thought, well, I better go and see him because he didn't have a wife. He didn't really have a lot of family. Mm. So I'm going to go and let him know that I'll be there. Kind of that in my mind, that's <sighs> how I feel that she was as a mother and a spiritual mother coming to see him and, and giving him comfort. And obviously it gave us a great deal of comfort and really made us laugh more than anything because oh. there you, there's mum. <laughs> That's a really making beautiful... Making a show of again. Making a show of herself. That's a really beautiful layer to the story that I wasn't aware of. Um, yeah. And I love... See, this is part of the reason I am doing this podcast because, you know, there is the stories continue, the stories live on yeah. and they continue to evolve and that's a beautiful kind of um, sequel. Yeah. And, and it makes me think that 
his own imminent passing um, of this man who I had pictured in my head as a, an el- older gentleman and now you're telling me he was young, that's so interesting, that his own imminent passing in a way primed him to be able yeah. to have this experience as well. So it was two-way and perhaps it's the meeting of those two situations, you know, that resonance yeah. between them because in a way he was like your mum, dying as we would say, you know. Yeah. And perhaps, you um, yeah. know, maybe she picked up on that in spirit, that same energy. Yeah. She knew where that he was headed. Yes. You know. Oh, wow. So how long after this experience did Pastor Eugene pass away? It was, it would have been, it would have been about two, two, three years after that. Okay. Yeah. So he, did he get ill as well? He got ill and... Yeah, and then it just kind of happened real suddenly. Mm. I knew that we knew that he'd been sick, um, and then it was just, you know, it's like when it's when it's meant to happen, it's just, they just go, yes. you know. It's yeah. just, it's like I feel like they just make their mind up. Yes, like, all right, I'm done. So, so it's it's like um, it was very much in keeping with your mum's personality too. Very giving. It's she gave a final yeah. gift to him, yeah. and um, and to you all because, as you say, yeah. like. It, it changed the energy around. I mean, obviously, there's still that, that grief, you know, that I can't begin to fathom, but I, I can sense yeah. from what you're saying that it did change that energy. There, you, it introduced some laughter and some joy into and some excitement, as you said, yeah. into the experience. It, it, yeah, I think the excitement in death, like she always used to say, death, where is thy sting? <laughs> but, and that's really kind of, she showed us that in her death. Well, where is the sting? Like. Wow. You know, it it took something, it took the negative away and it made it empowering. It made it an experience that was, don't be scared of this. This is actually awesome and I can't wait to see you when you get there. Take your time though. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's just, it it really does raise the goosebumps. And um, so in the the months following your mum crossing over, both you and your husband, I believe, had some experiences with her spirit. Tell us about what happened. Well, I mean, just in the months, I hadn't met my husband at that point. So on the night before my mum passed away, uh, she said to me, make a promise, because I was planning to go live in in the States. And she said, make me a promise that you will stay with your dad for at least one year and look after him. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So the day that that promise came to its end is the day that I met my husband. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, and then a year and a half later, we were married. And I remember I went on our first date, I sat down at the table for dinner and a voice came to my head and it said, this is the man you're going to marry. And people say, when you know, you know, and I never really believed that. But when I heard that voice, I was like, that's that's next level crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Funny that you should think that. (laughs) Yeah, but we got married and it's been 11 years together, nine years married, have a beautiful son. And so, but a few months after my mom passed away so before I met my husband um she was quite active um I know that my dad went down to do a conference in Sydney and speak about the supernatural and God Mm. and spirit and um it was still Christian based so of course these were challenging things I believed in it but and you know in scripture we can back it up to, so our Bible says to be out of the body is to be in the presence of God. Mm. So, you know, you're still there, you're still going. Um, but I remember he went into the night before he was meant to speak, uh, mum appeared to him 
in a dream and said, I'm going to be with you mm. tomorrow. And then the next day he went in and there were a, a circle of people and they were praying about the day ahead and he joined them and they said like a cold wind brushed through them. Mm. And at the same time, my dad felt my mum tap his hair down the way he, she oh. always used to when she'd walk past. And then the pastor of that church ran in and said, Bill, I don't believe in any of this stuff, <laughs> but your wife appeared to me last night and said to me, she's going to be here with you today. Wow. So there's that side of things happening. Yeah. Um, the day that she passed, a couple of her girlfriends, um, they had received like a missed phone call from her uh, yes. uh, around the time that she crossed over, but her phone wasn't on. So there's things like that. Wow. Um, and then obviously I met my husband and I think it was like, it was after the wedding, within weeks up after the wedding, he woke up one night and she was floating, he saw her uh, like floating above him <laughs> and he freaked out, wow. like punched in the air thinking there's some old chick in my bed <laughs> um, and then realised, oh, hang on, maybe that was um, Naomi's mum. And then another time, uh, one of the last gifts that she'd ever bought me was this beautiful big wooden chest of drawers and it was in the uh, end of our bedroom. And one night he woke up and she was standing there next to the chest of drawers, wow. just staring at him. And I've never seen a person, experienced a person going from laying flat to standing up so straight. <laughs> I don't even know how that was physically possible. But <laughs> I love when she speaks him because he really, she gets a good <laughs> rise out of him. <laughs> so she, yeah, I think she did that to just let me know, you know, I approve. I probably orchestrated this. And, yeah, just that letting us know that she's still there and watching over us. So that's, I mean, that's some of the, some of the things that she's done. Yes, and they're, they're wonderful stories. Yeah, they are. They're fun. They're fun stories. That's what I, I love about it is it's fun. You know, it's not sad. It's really, it makes you, it gives you joy to not, you know, she's still there. And I, a few of my friends, they've lost parents or lost people that are close to them. And I say to them, you know, there's going to be times when you can't explain it, mm. but you just know that you know that you know that that person just walked in the room and they've all broken down and said, yes, I've had that. I've had that experience. And, you know, that I think that's comforting for people who've lost someone. Yes. They do, whether it's, you know, people say a song on the radio plays when you're thinking of them or yeah. it's just little things, the signs. The moment you become consciously aware mm. that there's more than your little bubble mm -hmm. of reality, it's like the magic doesn't stop. Yes. It just keeps coming. And the more you open up to it, the more they come through. Yes. And Naomi, so I know that you are on a path of your own um, in terms of spirituality and um, I was wondering what part your mother's crossing over and all of these stories all of these events, what part this has played in your burgeoning spirituality and the path that you've taken with your business, Earth Vessel? Yeah, that's been um, a, like a wild journey, something I never thought that I would do. Yeah. Obviously raised by uh, ministers uh, of, of Christians. You're not really told to become a clairvoyant <laughs> <laughs> or a medium. 
Um, and I don't really like the terminology because in reality, if you go to a church, I have the same person, but they call them a prophet. Um, so it's wherever you are, just adapt to who, whoever you're with. But yeah, just heard the experience with her and uh, I started, she started appearing to me and coming to me. And I, I remember when, I kind of have to take you back. Yes, actually, please do. If you don't know this story. Oh. When I was about, I was seven, we moved into this house in a place called Chugan and it was at the top of the hill, and it was haunted. Like you could hear footsteps running down the hallway, but mm. no one was there. You'd hear, you'd feel brushes of cold air brush past you, but no windows open. And I was just, you know, happy little kid. Didn't even take notice of any of that stuff. And then one night, uh, I woke up, and at the end of my bed was a little girl, mm. and I remember her being wet. And it freaked me out because I, you know, when you, especially when you kids, when you see spirits, you tend to see them like flesh and blood. Yeah. So uh, I remember just screaming out, and my mum, she was tough sometimes. <laughs> she'd say, she liked, she didn't like to get out of bed. She'd be like, "All right, just come, you have to come. To, I'm not coming to you. You come to me." So <laughs> eventually, uh, you know, I mean, when you're terrified, you're just you're frozen. Mm. But eventually, I don't know how I did got the strength and courage and I got up and as I walked past the little girl, she got up off the bed because she'd been sitting at the end, got up off the bed and followed me into my parents' room oh. and then she sat in the, there was like an, um, a built-in mirror and cupboard and she oh, yeah. sat into that and watched me and I remember my mum saying, maybe it's an angel and I said, no, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's not an angel, yeah. there's a difference. Two weeks later they found out that a little girl had died in that house and drowned in the pool. Oh. And that's probably why I had seen her wet, I'm guessing. Wow. Um, so that was really, for me, the start. Uh, something opened at that place. Wow. Or something started in me. But, of course, throughout my life I tried to suppress it because mm -hmm. I didn't understand it. I didn't um, know how to work with that. Um, I remember in my teenage years it started to come back and, again, I tried to suppress it. And then after mum passed away, it just, boom, it started again. And wow. it was like, if I'm going to do this, I, you know, I'm yeah. going to have to embrace it. And I remember praying and asking God if, you know, you need to bring me some kind of mentor or something. And five minutes later, my hairstylist called and said, I don't know why, but I'm going to this psychic development course and I just thought you might come. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went and within a month after that, I had clients coming to me. My, the person that I went to was like, you need to just start now. Um, and people turning up at my door and, and that was the start of Earth Vessel. Okay. So um, I obviously became what they would call a clairvoyant. Yes. Uh, and teaching people meditation and these days more so teaching people how to do that for themselves. So because I always say to people, I'm not special. Every, everybody has that ability. Yeah. It's up to you to develop it, though, and open that door. Yes, and when yes. you do, watch out. Yes. <laughs> it's oh. start. And there's, um, there's actually a lovely story, which you hinted at the beginning as well, about how your mum, the part that she played in bringing us together so that you could yeah. tell me oh. your story for our book. Tell us yes. about that. Yeah, I love this. Um, I feel like this book just doesn't have any ending like that. <laughs> it keeps the little gift that keeps giving. Yes. So um, I was on Facebook and I was scrolling through and there was something about um, one of the, I don't know if it's spirits or there was something about you as the author. And she, I heard her voice come through so strong and she said to me, 
you need to send my crossing over story to Karina because she's going to publish it. And I laughed it off. I was like, oh, get over yourself, mom. Like, your time's done. It's more about me now. <laughs> but oh, I did it. Great. And then um, thinking nothing's going to come of it. And then that afternoon, you actually emailed me back and said, you know, can yes. I publish your mom's story yes. in the, the new book? So I was like, oh, there she goes again. That's <laughs> so funny. Telling her story. Yeah, and she, as you said earlier, like she's got a perspective that we don't. She knows yeah. she can see the bigger picture. And yeah. who knows, as you say, like the, the ripple effects of a story just continue to reach out beyond what we exactly. can even imagine. Yeah, you know? and, you know, I'm, I make jokes about her ego in the sense, but really <laughs> it's what her story brings to people is that comfort and yeah. the curiosity yes. that, well, what really happened there? What? what is there exactly. what else is out there for us to start exploring exactly um and i don't know i don't know if i mentioned to you actually so when the book came out um i gave it to everyone i knew oh <laughs> wow that's so cool sold them through our shop <laughs> and then um told all my family about it and then i have my brother Corey, who i absolutely love he's gorgeous um at the time i didn't know how he would take it mm-hmm. because obviously i'd become what everyone's calling the clairvoyant and whatnot. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm going to tread lightly there. And I said to mum, look, if you want him to know, then you go ahead and you have to do it because yeah. I don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. So then so this, the book came out and his wife, uh, Renee, was at the airport. She uh, went and sat down. I'm thinking she's must have, was at a gate or something. She sat down at the airport and a woman got up and walked away. And accidentally left her book, and it was your book, oh "I've Never Dies," which has Mum's story. And then, uh, so Renee picks it up, opens it on the exact page. Oh my! That's gosh. Mum's story. Oh wow! <laughs> Takes some screenshots and sends it to Corey and says, "I think this story is about. I think this is your mum <laughs> and the family is all in this book. Have you seen it? <laughs> what a surprise! So, you know, so she's still, she was using your book to get to him as well, you know. Oh, wow. And I just, I think, imagine what your book has done. Oh, have you had any experiences like that? Has anyone told oh, you things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the things that I love the most as an author, getting the feedback from readers yeah. and they tell me stories. Um, they tell me about what, you know, what the stories have meant to them and how uh, reading about other people's experiences has made them feel comfort has made them feel less alone yeah. especially if they are grieving a loved one and that is absolutely you know yes. one of the most gratifying aspects of the whole process is hearing from readers and you do form bonds yeah. with them and you know yeah. there's there's a lovely gentleman who's in love never dies who um, every year he sends me a, a happy new year message and he's just divine his name's Ban yeah. his story's in there about his dad what happened when his dad was crossing over and it's just, um, and it's just beautiful. I love that so much. Yeah, and it is like the gift that keeps on giving. It know? really is. Yeah. I've actually, again, I don't think I've told you this as well. Many stories today. Wow, great! Um, I've had a couple people track me down through your. I have read your book and have oh. tracked me down through the music that I used to. I used to have a music page. They've tracked me down through that, oh, wow. and we've been able to do um, sessions together, readings together, and bring some comfort to them with. Uh, people that they have, have crossed over and right. loved ones that they've gone over and we've been able to work with them and give them comfort. So just through your book, you know, that's my experience. People have connected with me through that. 
So, and just even the stories, I just think is, you know, would just heal so many people, you know. Yeah, and there's always, that's one of the things that drove me to become a journalist is, um, and an author is this power that's in the sharing of our stories. You know, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a great leveller and um, we've all got a story to tell or, yeah. or two <laughs> and yeah. it's just it, it, it unites us, you know, so it's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to pick up on something you said there about your music. So are you a musician as well, Naomi? Yeah, that was my um, my big passion in life. I still do music. I've just, I, after having my son, I took time out from um, Earth Vessel. Yep. And I had a dabble in my music again. I feel like these days I kind of dabble in music. Yeah. And the spiritual side of my work is far more important. But yeah, always do music and love and you know, all different types of styles of, and genres that I've done. Um, but I think that also for me has been a spiritual connection. It seems to like with meditation, mm. being able to sing and do that type of meditation music has been great as well just trying to decline this (laughs) sorry (laughs) i need to figure out how to have a sip of my tea anyway (laughs) um you know what your music we've got to pick up on this because that links back to something that you told us at the beginning uh, to do with mum's crossing she mentioned a purple piano tell us about that Piano in yellow cornfields. In yellow cornfields. That just sounds like some John Lennon film clip. It does. <laughs> some crazy acid trip. <laughs> it does. But um, yeah, I've always thought uh, when she, that moment, that's, it was so, something about that moment, I don't know, I just, I'll, I'll never forget it because it was like she was telling me where she was. Like I'm walking through yellow cornfields and there's a purple piano. Yeah. So I, I've always said one day it'll be my album cover. So and I don't know what one. Maybe I'll do an, a meditation one, and that'll that'll be the cover. Oh, Who knows? Beautiful. But yeah, just like that whole even like she had that amazing experience with Eugene. But the little things before yes. that, you know, like that moment. Where where were you? Yes. What were you really doing? Yes. So just I always have that vision in my mind of the yellow cornfields and the purple which just sounds so gaudy and big purple piano (laughs) but you know maybe it will be an album cover (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's exciting it's really really amazing so what about your little boy so has Mm. he shown any hint of this deep you know this power because it is a power but as you say we all have it but it's developed to different extremes in all of us has yeah. he shown any hints of mediumship or clairvoyancy? I, I know he's very little yet. but He's only, yeah, he's not quite two yet. So I haven't noticed anything yet. I, I, he's bound to at some point. Um, but uh, not yet. I'm extremely protective of him yes. when it comes to spiritual work and things that um, just even because at one point I was doing readings from home and I didn't want to do that around him because yeah. you open your environment to different yes. energies and yes. whatnot. So I've been extremely protective, but I, and I, I found that children I have worked with in the past who have that ability, um, it, it's usually between five and seven that the first, it really starts to activate in their life ah, more okay. so. Yep. Um, and that I think that's probably around the ages that they really start to understand the difference between the physical and the spirit realm as yes. well. Yes. So maybe that's why it starts at that age. Um, so, so far, 
Not yet, which is good. Everyone's sleeping well. <laughs> That's good. That's great. That's great. But I'm I'm waiting for it. But um, he's just he's. I've had funny experiences with him. Um, when I was pregnant, uh, I remember I walked into a like little new age store to uh, buy a gift for a friend, and a man walked out, and he he kind of fluttered out like all as if he was floating and he goes oh you're having a son I'm like yes I am and he said he's gonna have dark hair and green eyes and he's coming to be a healer oh wow and he my son has dark hair green eyes and so I have no doubt and it's in his blood oh wow he's gonna do something in that way so and then uh but before I've always known I was gonna have a son Every psychic I saw said I was going to have a boy. Yeah. I'd always picture myself with a boy. Prophets had told me I'd have a son. And then um, when about a month before I conceived, I kept having this reoccurring dream. Mm. I would be walking down a boardwalk, and at the end of the boardwalk, I'd see my mum sitting with a little boy who was about five years old. And he kept diving down into the water and coming back with these little, like, rocks and rings and gold and crystals and just shells and treasures, and I thought that was interesting. So a month later, I conceived and I was having a boy. Wow. And then at my uh, baby shower, a girlfriend of mine, Casey, ran a, what is it, a birth, birthing way or um, whatever they call it, but it's like a circle of women, and they would give me a birthing, birthing necklace, and they would oh. all... Um, entwine like a bead but instead of using beads they all came up with these rocks and shells oh, and crystals and rings wow. and gold and every item that I saw in that reoccurring dream that my son brought up was on my birthing necklace that's amazing yeah the sorry you just think what what is going on that is beautiful <laughs> what a beautiful story yeah and again and I still yeah. have that with me. I'm actually about to get it framed um, so I can have it up in my house. Yeah. Just And I still, every now and then, I grab a hold of it and I say, you know, I call on the strength of these women, yeah. um, especially those days that are hard. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Almost two-year-old, I grab onto it. Oh, give me their wisdom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, my goodness. Um, and, and Naomi, I guess um, we talked earlier about how all of us have the potential inside us to, yeah. you know, be have medium skills or clairvoyant yeah. skills as you do. Um, so what would be your advice to somebody who wants yeah. to develop these aspects in themselves? Yeah, definitely. First and foremost, it's important to meditate. Okay. Uh, if you think about the most, um, most stories of when people have an experience or connect with spirit is when they're asleep. Or in the resting, yeah, yeah. and that's because that's the only time that we turn off the outward distractions mm -hmm, and are mm -hmm. able to receive. If you think about from the time you get up, we've got social media, alarms, TV, you drive to work and you're bombarded with signs and advertising, we are constantly just distracted. Yeah. So meditation helps us to turn off the outward distractions and be able to hear not only our inner voice, our own higher self, our spirit, but, you know, whoever else is trying to get through yeah and then the then the thing you need to know is that we have we all have four ways of receiving so there's what everyone knows the clairvoyant which is the ability to see and you might see dreams or visions you might see spirits like uh, people have in your book that are like yes blood and flesh walking in yes uh, but you might also just see auras or symbols and i always say symbology is the is the language of spirit mm -hmm. if you can start to put 
meanings towards those symbols, you can begin to speak with spirit. Um, and then there is clear audience, which is the ability to hear. Yeah. So some people will tell you they've heard a voice in the middle of the night say hello or mm. testing, you know, like a mic yes, check. Yes, yes. Uh, well, are you there? Can you hear me? And yes. it's, that is probably the scariest one um, because yeah. you really think you're going crazy. Yeah, then, wow. So there's clear audience. And the more that you develop that, you start to hear the difference between your inner voice and what's receiving like a channel that you're hearing. Okay. So that's an interesting way. Um, then there's clairsentience, which a lot of people have that. And that's the ability to sense. Um, so if you were to walk down a street and you have that sense of, ah, oh, this doesn't feel right. Yes. That's clairsentience. Um, and I always say clairsentient people are like a walking GPS. Mm-hmm. And if they learn to listen to the GPS, they won't get into trouble. Right. But if they stop listening, then you're going to get off, off yes. track. Yes. And then the last one is claircognizance, which is knowingness. So these are the people who have, you know, they know that, like predictions. They know things are going to happen before they happen. Or they can meet a person and they don't know why, but they just know everything about them. Mm-hmm. So it's like a download of information. Um, so once you realize what is your predominant way of receiving yeah. information, then you can work with that. Okay. Um, and everybody has all four, but we usually use one or two predominant. Yes. But you can develop them all if you want to get really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and so your predominant one is clairvoyance? Uh, clairvoyance and clairaudience. Okay. So, yes. So I, the Claire audience started when I was about 16, 17, and I remember I'd wake up in the night and it would be like being in a bar. I could hear murmurs and, wow. and voices, couldn't understand what they were saying, yeah. and it would start to get loud. <laughs> I always feel really crazy telling this story. No, please, no. Um, I've heard this before. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I would just be like, I couldn't understand what was going on, so I'd be like, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. Like a real crazy person. Yeah. And I suppressed that. And so then that came back later in life when I was able to understand and be guided on how to, how to work with that. Yes. Um, so, yeah, now it's, no, it's nothing like that. It's, yes. it's pretty good. But, yeah, it's so clairvoyance and clairaudience would be my predominant. Okay. But then, you know, I swing through all of them like we all do. Everybody has, you know, all four. Yes. So sometimes you might get a vision and then other times you might just feel a sense and sometimes you you'll find that you'll have one or two working together to confirm each other so okay. you might if you're claircognizant you might just have a, a you, you feel like you know something's yeah. going to happen or you know something about a person and your body will get all tingles uh-huh. that's your body's confirming what you're receiving does that make sense yeah no it sure does and so what do you think is next for you and earth vessel in this year and yeah. going forward well, I've taken some time out with my son, which has been great, and I'm starting to get back into things. So I will be doing readings again this year. I'm just easing my way back yeah. into that. I'm running meditation groups. I really want to keep uh, working with people, yes. teaching, training people to do it for themselves. Great. Because um, uh, I don't want people to become reliant on me. Yes. I want people to, at some point, you got to start doing it yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then I just want to start finishing some of the things that I started. I think I've spoken to you in the past that I wanted to write a book yes. about, you know, helping people develop yeah. and their gifts and whatnot. So I'd like to get back into that. 
I'm going to get the spare time. <laughs> yes. Well, just be gentle with yourself. You've got a toddler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So. Yeah, so that's going to take some time. And I'm not the most patient person. So <laughs> I think you must have, like, great patience to be an author. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know, if, yeah, if it's patience or just sometimes you're just, you know, for me I know that um, it's what I do, writing, and I yes. can't actually do anything else. Like this is, you know, well, I can, you know what I mean. Like this is yeah. my thing, writing. Thing. So yeah. um, it's a compulsion, you know. It is yeah, a compulsion. Yeah, I heard so. that. Where was it? It must have been an advertisement for one of those masterclasses, and I can't remember who it was, a woman who was an author, and she said, why would anybody write unless they have to? You know you're a writer if you just have to write. Yes, yes. (laughs) So if that book is in you and it keeps niggling at you, you know, you're a writer and eventually it will will find form in the exterior world. (laughs) Oh, well, I, I... just can't tell you how much of a delight it's been to catch up with you today, Naomi. Honestly, it's so beautiful. Is there anything else you would like to add before um, we sign off? Oh, no, I don't know. Just, you know, just people to realise whoever's listening, you're obviously listening for a reason, whether you're curious or whatever the case is, just everybody needs to know that spirit is real. And like we said earlier, the moment you open your heart to it, it's there waiting for you. Mm. You don't need to be afraid. You just, need, as long as you are working through love, as long as you have love in your heart, then you're just going to draw all goodness to you. So if you've got people who have crossed over, they are there, they love you, they're, <clears throat> they're watching over us, um, you know, and God is real, spirit is real. Mm. Just enjoy the beauty and the magic of it and remove anything else that's, you know, any fears or concerns about it it's it's actually a beautiful way of living life wow well that is a lovely <laughs> note to end on and um thank you on behalf of everybody thank you so oh, much naomi you. and we'll stay in touch no doubt yeah definitely <laughs> all right <laughs> bye bye thank you thank you for listening to spirit sisters the podcast based on my best-selling book of the same name I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Thank you.